All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can you see it? You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. I wonder if they could hear that little pre-show ramble that we were going off about, talking about ribs and lobster. I feel like those are different levels of how much work you have to do to get the good meat out of there. Alex, you're wrong, off the top. But Alex had ribs last night. Uh, my name is Chris Favor. This is the Canucks Conversation. Joining me in studio, Harmon Dial. It's time for another edition of Fridays with Harm, brought to you by the great folks 
at Zephyr Epic. While I intro the show here, Harm, why don't you rip a pack? Rip a pack here. Let's we go. got the metal one there. Uh, we're building up quite a good collection here. And uh, I think I've, uh, I'm going to reach out here to a couple of people that I've seen uh, with some kids that might be interested in taking these cards. That's one of the things I love about Zephyr Epic uh, is the fact that we get these cards. We get a chance to rip all of these cards here live on air, have a little bit of fun. Uh, they like to support the show. And one of the things that comes from it is this huge stack of hockey cards here uh, beside me. So I'm excited that we can kind of share these with some kids. We've done that in the past as well, and the kids seem to really enjoy it. They love the Brock Besser cards. So let's see you pull a Brock Besser here. Uh, in this set, Harm, as you rip through. All right, let's go. Uh, Kirill. Well, he's throwing Whoops, them adopted. now. He's acting like a child throwing these things around. Uh, I'm basically, I'm a child. <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov. He's injured right now, I think. Yep. Carter Hart. Toivu Teravainen. There you go. Oh, this is a cool-looking Josh Bailey one. There we go. Josh Bailey. I don't know if it's special or anything. I think that's a special one there. The metal cards, uh, one with the, uh, the big cheddar cards. Mo Sider, what's this like amped up thing? Oh, there you go. That's your insert right there. What is Mo that? Sider. We've got a couple of uh, inserts of Mo Sider there. Those are the uh, that's the cool card from the set. There. Connor McDavid. Hey, that's good. Kids love a good Connor McDavid card. Hell yeah! And uh, oh, Tyler Toffoli. Hey, former Canuck. That's in, a cool in, looking in, card. In his uh, Montreal Canadiens jersey. Look at that. I think he looks oh, good in that, uh, in that jersey there. Our producer here on the show, Alex Allard. Alex. How are you doing today on this beautiful Friday? Let's bring Alex in early here. Alex, how are you doing on Friday? So far, so good. Ribs last night, you said. How were the ribs? What kind of flavor? What are we talking here? Dry rub, wet? What are we talking? Well, you know, Lisa's talking about doing them in the crock pot. That's what we oh. did. It's nice and easy. You just kind of throw them in. They fall off the bone. When you're ready to eat them, you just slobber them with some barbecue sauce. Oh, yeah. What kind of barbecue? Sweet Baby Ray's or what? No, we got a company here called Farm Boy. Oh. We use their, uh, their like house brand. It's good. They used to call me that uh, back in Nanaimo. We grew up on the farms out there in, uh, in Cedar Farm Boy. Uh, but uh, let's move on to some Canucks things because we I, I have so much. I have I I prep the show. I spend normally a good one to two hours prepping the show normally before this just to make sure everything's lined up and then normally spend a lot of other time as well just being able to keep up with things you know how it is harm but you're you're not a prep you're not a show prep guy you and quads both of you guys but you've done more prep in the past actually anyways today spent a lot of time we got a lot of graphics we got a lot of videos uh, i want to dive right into what i think is probably the biggest topic around the vancouver canucks right now can we get the video up of cheech let's just play cheech's video and then we'll react off of it here uh alex and we'll need sound for this one um, this was announced yesterday during the broadcast. I think we were all in the press box looking at it, and I'm like, why is Cheech on the on the TV by himself kind of making looked like a statement or something? And, and I, I worried at the first time. I said, geez, what happened, to, what happened to Shorty for a second? I thought Shorty might have had something happen to him. Uh, all my friends are texting me back from the island. They're like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I'm in the press box. Like, We don't have audio here. This was the statement here from John Garrett yesterday on the broadcast. Since 2002, I've had the privilege and honor to be the color analyst on the regional sports, Sportsnet Canucks broadcast. This season will be my final time filling that role, even though I will appear on some other Sportsnet properties. If you've been watching and listening for all these years, you know how much I have enjoyed my experience and the time doing this job. And a lot of the reason is the great people I work with. Sportsnet Pacific crew doesn't have an equal in the business. No matter what the situation, 
no matter what the time of day or night, they make you feel like you're in the building. I'd like to thank John Shorthouse, Dan Murphy, and our producer, Greg Shannon. Your camaraderie and friendship will never be forgotten, and we will be lifelong friends. But most of all, I'd like to thank the fans whose unwavering support has lasted for these 20 years and beyond. Your enthusiasm and passion for the game and for this team will never be forgotten. We are all Canucks. Thanks. That video there from the Sportsnet Twitter account. Harm, both of us, we actually had a, a funny thing off the top of the show here because we are different ages. I'm what? Eight years older than you? Seven years older than you? Something like that. And we actually had a joke that there was a a cartoon that crossed around through both of our childhoods uh, before the show. This is one thing that I think we're in the same boat for of all of my memories. And I have to thank all of your memories as well, unless you were bang on at uh, six months old watching Canucks games, (laughs) which, uh, you know, wouldn't put it past you. But all of my memories, all of your memories, all of a lot of people in our similar age bracket our memories of the play-by-play for the Vancouver Canucks when we were children, when we were teenagers, when we're in our 20s now. I'm about to be in my 30s uh, in a couple months here. It's it's always been John Shorthouse and John Garrett, and those are where all my memories around the Vancouver Canucks come from. And, man, not even sure the right words to use talking about hearing that uh, that this is going to be the final season for John Garrett as the color commentator for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I mean, just... Rewatching that video itself just has me in my feelings. You know, it's it's kind of one of those experiences where all a lot of Canucks fans have ever known is is um, is is John Garrett, and obviously there are a lot of Canucks fans who've had other commentators before, but still Garrett in the last twenty years has been an absolute icon. The one thing that has always stuck out in such a prominent way watching these broadcasts over the years is just how much he loves the team. Yeah. Like that, like he's the definition of a Canucks lifer. You can feel the energy. You can feel the passion for the team, the, the disappointment when they underwhelm the excitement when they win games, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. doesn't matter where they are in the standings. It's just such a palatable feeling. Even when you're just watching it on the broadcast, and look, there have been some tough times for this franchise of the last um, almost decade now. And I know I can speak for a lot of Canucks fans who can attest to the fact that just watching the banter between Shorthouse and Garrett, oftentimes, especially during those dark like 2016, 2017, 2018 rebuild days yeah. before we saw Pedersen and Hughes, the commentary was what made Canucks games enjoyable what what made them watchable they were the, often the best parts of, of the games and they, they'd always crack they'd always uh, crack you up and I'm just so sorely going to um going to miss that yeah incredibly and we heard uh during that statement there that Cheech said he's gonna be around and doing some other things we don't know what that's gonna be with Sportsnet but man it's um it's an impossible role for anybody to step into oh, yeah like that is a this duo they clearly are great friends and great broadcasters. And the way that they've done this together in Vancouver for so long it has been an absolute treat, I think, for Canucks fans to be able to witness this. And you mentioned it in those dark days. Like, 
the there was at least some fun on the broadcast. These two do an excellent job of you know putting a cherry on top of a, a crap game. Sometimes you know, you know a lot of five one losses. They were still able to have some fun, and I think a lot of it does come from Cheech being such a a supporter of the Vancouver Canucks, right? Like and wanting the Vancouver Canucks to have success. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, we know that Shorty's one of the best in the business. We're very lucky to have him too. But it's just something about that duo. Like that duo is going to be severely missed in this market. I don't know how anybody steps into that job after Cheech. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for that person. But I think now you have to enjoy these final 11 games where, you know, Cheech is going to have his final calls with the Vancouver Canucks. And it's going to be weird, you know, kind of that last game of the season that I think about, like seeing this broadcast you were together. It's going to be very weird to go through that game. It's going to be similar to, and, and obviously it's different, but it's going to be similar to when you knew the Sedins were playing the last game. Yeah. It's just like the end of an era where it's been so long. This is what we've become accustomed to. He's an absolute fan favorite. And yeah, watching that last game, the broadcast of it is is definitely going to be a strange feeling and definitely going to have to try and, and cherish those uh, those moments and memories, and, and I'm at least glad that we do get to know ahead of time, yeah. Because that way we can appreciate it, as opposed to just finding out in the summer. And uh, it's one of those where he doesn't get to say a proper goodbye. So I, I'm just hoping that um, he it, it, Garrett himself gets to sort of walk away in in a way where he's proud. Yeah, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be great for him to do. And I listen, I. I've worked at Sportsnet 650. I've done this podcast. I've had guests every, you know, the early parts of the day, having a guest every week. Cheech was always one of the best guys to call, set up, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, dealing with producers uh, or dealing with us on this show when he's guested here. Just the best dude, right? Like, you you hear that a lot where everyone's like, oh, it's just, you know, one of the best guys in the business. Like, Cheech is one of them. Absolutely one of them. Where it's just no matter what dealings you had with him, everybody absolutely loves it. Um, Aside from that, um, you brought up something that was kind of interesting, and I wanted to bring this up to you. I just need to – I want to give J-Pat a shout-out. We can get this tweet ready here. Um, you talked about the 2016-17 season. A lot of it was just the broadcast. A lot of the other things was Botch's writing and the post Oh, games. yeah. Um, last night, Kat Botchford and her kids uh, were at the game. We can get the tweet up here from Jeff Patterson. Um, they were at the game last night, and it was great. This is my first opportunity to meet Kat. Um, I, she wasn't there at my botch for night, but she was one that selected me. So I, I had a good conversation with her yesterday. I just want to give a, a huge shout to Jeff Patterson who tweeted this out. And literally as I'm like scrolling through Twitter at the game time, I see this tweet and J Pat like taps me on the shoulder right there. He's like, do you want to go meet cat? And I said, yeah, like I've never met her before. That'd be awesome. So, you know, shouts to J Pat for making that introduction for me. It, it was something I probably would have, I would have hoped that I would have brought myself up to go and introduce myself, meet her. But, uh, big, big shouts to J Pat. I really appreciated him. Uh, just, you know, someone who's met Kat and dealt with her for a while and uh, was able to introduce me. I just, I appreciate that a lot from Jeff Patterson. So um, just wanted to get that out there. Did you get a chance to chat with Kat yesterday as well? I know yeah. you guys have talked before. Yeah, I was, you know, really fortunate. I remember, I think it was last season when I was on the road and went to Toronto and I was able to go out, go out and uh, grab dinner and hang out for a bit before going over to uh, the Canucks Leafs game. And it was great to see her again. I didn't even know it was such a pleasant surprise. I didn't know she was going to, going to be yeah. in uh, in town. And and also shout out to the Canucks for uh, helping facilitate this and inviting them as guests. That's um, classy move by them. Yeah, when I talked to her yesterday, she said like uh, she just wants to keep 
the Canucks fandom with her kids. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's incredible. And getting a chance to experience what uh, their father did at Canucks games and, and see it from the press box, I, I thought it was a pretty pretty awesome conversation uh, that I had at least last night with her kind of talking about that and her wanting to uh, kind of show them what uh, what the day in life was for their dad there at the game. So uh, great. And the kids, uh, they're getting big. That was pretty pretty exciting too. I know uh, Kat's probably got a handful on her hands, but she's doing an incredible job. And um, I was obviously a Botchford Project recipient a couple of years ago, and I talked to her about that a little bit and how much it meant to me. Um, so it was a thing I wanted to I, – I really have been wanting to say something to her in person, so it was really great last night. Uh, to get that opportunity. Let's dive into last night a little bit and the actual play on the ice last night. Philip Peronic, he's here. He's pretty good. He led the uh, Vancouver Canucks in ice time. Uh, Canucks went down to five defensemen early on in this game after Christian Wallen and uh, was out with a lower body injury super early into that first period. So Peronic got a little bit of playing time, it felt like, with everyone. Can we have a look here, Alex, at the pairings that uh, Philip Peronic was on last night? Because at five on five, he was getting a little bit... Uh, of time with everyone here, spent seven minutes and 58 seconds with Ethan Bear as his partner, spent six minutes and 34 seconds with Quinn Hughes as his partner, and even played 430 with Kyle Burroughs as well. That opportunity to have multiple minutes with each of these guys, I felt like, uh, though you go down to five defensemen, at least like an opportunity presented itself to see what Heronic looks like with all of these guys. You got a few minutes of each pairing, it felt like, really. For sure. I also love how... He, he seemed to, I swear, he must have gone to the barber like a few hours before oh. the game or something because that that fresh fade, that fresh skin fade haircut he had, I was like, that is crispy in the lined up beard. As somebody who loves skin fades, I was I was like, this man knows how to make a stylish entrance. And uh, he, he showed a lot of um, steady two-way play. As you mentioned, started the game with Ethan Bear. And then as Will Annan went down and they had only five defensemen, they had to, because of the odd number of uh, of D, scramble around and use him uh, in a variety of different spots, especially sometimes with Hughes with, uh, with some offensive starts. And I thought it was a, a pretty strong, encouraging debut. I mean, the most, encur- most encouraging thing for me, the biggest takeaway, was that I remember based off of Hronik's early career performance that he was labeled as this sort of dynamic offensive defenseman with defensive warts. And I remember when I watched the tape of him this season with the Red Wings, I walked away from that thinking that label's outdated. He actually seems much more like a jack-of-all-trades, two-way defenseman who has a steady uh, impact. Maybe isn't as dynamic or flashy as as I expected, but way better defensively than I imagined. Mm. And it was good to see that evolution translate in a different environment here in Vancouver in his first game because that stylistic fit is what the Canucks actually need as opposed to more of an offensive guy who's inconsistent in his uh, own end. You could see both with the puck, without the puck, just a level of composure where he seemed to... It wasn't that he did anything special, but he checked off all the fundamentals in what you want a defenseman to do in terms of the first pass, in terms of playing a tight gap in the neutral zone, breaking up plays, always scanning and looking for threats in the offensive zone and using a stick to break up passes. He, uh, He just seemed and looked like an amplifier, right? Not necessarily somebody who would single handedly tilt a shift in his team's favor, Right, the way somebody like Quinn Hughes can, where it's like he can beat two four checkers, get the puck up the ice, dancing around in the offensive zone. It wasn't about that, 
about taking over a shift. It was more, I'm going to make the job of my teammates easier in basically every situation of the game, whether it comes to breakouts, whether it comes to the defensive side, whether it comes to making simple plays in the offensive zone. So that was kind of what uh, what stood out in that uh, first game against San Jose. Yeah, it felt like the most important word I think you said there was like there was like a steadiness in the way that he played, right, where you weren't questioning a lot of things that he was doing. I think early on in the game, there was like a couple puck touches that weren't like perfect, but he really cleaned things up as the game went on, and I was impressed. Like I, I had expectations for him, obviously, going into that game, and he – he rose above them. Like he was better than I thought he was going to be in his first game back from injury. And especially in a spot where you have to play with five different defensemen. Can we get the five on five ice time up here, Alex? Uh, just looking at this last night, I was, I was blown away by a couple different things watching the ice time. First things first. I mean, you can throw all the Quinn Hughes is playing too much stuff into the garbage because he wasn't the top, uh, top guy for ice time last night. How about this? Philip Peronic plays more than Quinn Hughes at five on five last night. Tyler Myers, plays more than three and a half minutes more than Quinn Hughes at five on five last night. And Ethan bear leads all defensemen with 20 minutes and 12 seconds at five on five last night. How about that for Quinn Hughes to kind of get a night off? I mean, Good, yeah. it felt like he was the fourth defenseman for ice time at five on five. Listen, he's going to get his power play time. He's going to get a lot of minutes on the power play. He always is. But at this point in the season to see Quinn Hughes only one minute higher than Kyle Burroughs in a game where they only had five defensemen. Hell yeah. Great. This is the type of thing that we want when we hear the general manager, the coach, everybody in the organization talking about extended training camps. Do this then. He doesn't have to, like Quinn Hughes can still be the guy who's leading your team in minutes. It's going to happen a lot. But I love a little mix here where he's the fourth in ice time at five on five. That's great. That's exactly what we've been asking for. Absolutely. For him to, I think in overall ice time was under 24 minutes, which I think in terms of time on ice was the lowest in almost five weeks mm. so for him to ha- have that in a game where they lost will and so early the only other left shot d in the lineup exactly i thought that was uh that was good to see right because this team needs to hit the ground running next season and there's no point putting unnecessary miles on a player like hughes where these games don't really matter so I think it's important, especially because even when the games do matter for next season, you can't rely on Hughes playing 26 minutes. No, it's not. Night, 27, 28, over an 82-game season. It's just not going to uh, work. I think we've seen for a lot of teams around the, around the league that you've got to be mindful of how much you lean on your top guys, where, for example when Colorado was hammered by injuries and by necessity, they had to start playing Miko Ranton in 25, 26 minutes a game as a forward. Uh, Taves and Makar were, were playing obscene minutes. And you could see when, when Colorado came into town around uh, January, I was watching Devon Taves and I was like, what the heck happened to him? (laughs) I was like, what is this guy doing? Wearing him out. uh, He got beat out by an icing uh, by Jack Stadnika on an icing race, which led to a goal against that turned the script of the game. And I was right. like, this is this is totally off. And it was all fatigue. It was all... And we've seen, since seen Makar has been in and out of lineup with injuries now. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. Is like those minutes, you're seeing Makar's minutes have to come down because of injuries. Or like it's You don't want to get to that point. 
And I think that's something that's going to be, that might be one of the things that we see over the NHL over the next little bit here is not necessarily like how they do it in the NBA where, you know, you get a game off every month or a couple games off every month. But I do think there needs to be a conscious effort from coaches to make sure their stars are going to be good for the playoffs. And the Canucks aren't at that point this year. They're not even pushing for the playoffs. So I don't think the minutes need to be so crazy. I just, I was pleased last night. Uh, I saw Corey Anderson mentioned in the chat, uh, Ethan Bear looked a lot better without the full face mask. I thought he looked good last night, too. I thought all five defensemen played pretty well. Um, I did want to bring up Tyler Myers because I thought that was maybe Myers' best game of the season. One of them for sure, I'd have to say. He was second in nice time uh, at 5-on-5, as we can see up here on the screen. And I I just thought Myers through and through didn't make a lot of mistakes, didn't do anything too flashy. It was kind of nice to see him in that role, and I'm curious. Like we we touched on it on yesterday's show a little bit. The way the defense core is kind of shaping out, you're going to have Quinn Hughes and somebody as your top pairing. You're going to have Hronik and somebody as your second pairing. Myers might be at his best if he's playing in a third line role. You don't want to be paying him six million dollars and playing in a third line role, and then you also don't want the other defenseman to be OEL and have a thirteen million dollar third pairing. But it might be what we see next year. It might be something that we end up seeing next year, and I'm curious to see how Myers kind of fits and looks in a third pairing role. If you're actually just looking for effectiveness from a defenseman, I think Myers can be a little bit better there in that third pairing role, because that's something I've heard you talk about a lot. Like good teams would like to have Tyler Myers as their third pairing guy. You just don't want to pay $6 million. Yeah. Although in general, at this point, like he's like, absolutely one of his best games this season against San Jose. He also needs to prove that he's one of the team's six best defensemen for next season. Now, I yeah, think he probably point. is. But you look at the way these AHL guys have um, have been playing, and you look at the emergence of, of somebody like Noah Juleson, and it's like, okay, Myers probably feels some level of heat, especially now Hirona comes in. Bears competing for a contract for next season. And I think at this point, he's been a better defenseman for the club. So you're already looking at two right shot defensemen that have climbed higher on the hierarchy, on the depth chart, assuming the Canucks keep bare for next season, which is not a guarantee. We'll see what happens and and how that unfolds. But then you also see Juleson sort of playing well. And and I imagine if you're Tom Myers, you're thinking, okay, I've, I've got to, I've got to prove something here. So this is absolutely what he needs to Show and the Canucks need this from like even just to have the flexibility where it doesn't matter whether he's on the roster for next season if you're stuck with him and can't trade him. You at least want him to be able to, at the bare minimum, be a helpful third pair defenseman. It, you're gonna have problems if like forget the cap it at this point. He's here. Yeah, he's here. You need him to be at least helpful, even if it's in a third pair role. Uh, and then the other side of it of course, is that if he plays well down the stretch, I mean, hopefully it, uh, it, it, it makes somebody think that he can help them out. Dude, six foot seven, right shot defenseman. Some team will take a risk of him if they can get him for like, if the Canucks hold on to half of that, some team would like, would take Tyler Myers for one year. Yeah, hopefully they just dollars. haven't watched the tape of him this season, and, hey. and they like they're like, oh, let, let's we haven't seen Tyler Myers in a while. Yeah, let's uh, let's scout him. Let's load up the game against the Sharks. Wow, he looks amazing. Yeah, hey, just it's like a roulette table. You needed to hit on like yeah. the perfect number to watch this one game of Tyler Myers. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was really good. Like you watch the way he was moving with the puck, the way he was making plays, and uh, and yeah, if if a scout, if a team only watched that one game, they'd be like. Oh my God, look at this physical specimen. Yeah. Hey, 
It's possible. Okay. I tell you, not every scout's watching all 82, Harv. We know oh, that. That I'll tell you, honestly, it's the way some of these teams operate behind the scenes. Like some of them are very smart, super rigorous, super diligent. But some of the stories you hear behind the scenes, and I'm not talking about the Canucks, but just other teams uh, where... <laughs> Especially some of the poorly run ones. Hey, I've seen, I've sat with a lot diligence, of scouts before. It's, it's like, oh my, like this is a professional highest level of hockey organization. This is the way that they research and scout and make decisions. Yeah. You're like, really? I've said this before on the show. The two people that I've seen do the best job scouting a game when I've watched in live in person. Cause I try and I don't like eavesdrop on purpose, but you're in the press box, like especially Abbotsford. There's a lot of uh, scouts out in Abbotsford. There always is. And I sit with them. It was Cammy Granado and Steve Correa. Steve Correa is a scout for the New York Islanders. Does an excellent job. I see what's going on. He's on his computer nonstop, tracking, tracking. Cammy was the same way when she was with Seattle. I saw her at uh, some AHL games out there in Abbotsford. Same way. Like, they were doing a very good job tracking these players. A lot of the guys are there for the, the coffee and to hang out with old friends. Those two, I say, were very good. I also heard a story once from an executive who was interviewing for a job with an organization, not the Canucks. And this was a poorly run team. This was a few years ago. And and he says that as part of the interview process, he realized that this team in question did not have readily available to them the, the cap situations of every other team in the NHL. Like, they literally did not, like, ha- like they didn't even have, like, a cap-friendly type system where they could, like, look up other teams' contracts and understand what situations other teams are in in terms of the salary cap. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's literally available free. Yeah, I was like, bro, you got that at the Athletic Vancouver. Like, you can bump that, like, anything. Like, come on, like, a- amateurs yeah. who are analyzing teams around the league do this where they look at other teams' cap situations and this exec was just blown away that this team he, he was interviewing for like did not even have a system in place to uh, readily access uh, and research other teams' cap situations. Yeah, some of the things you see blow you away a little bit. That's one right there. That's, you know, you can't even open up a couple of tabs, but anyway. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's, uh, let's wrap things up with last night. Um, talking about the goal scores, let's get this up here. Uh, pretty good night for a lot of guys on the depth, I think. Man, Dakota Joshua's goal to make it 3-1 going into the intermission, huge. Great hands on that play uh, to score that goal. And, uh, it, like, I think Joshua's going to – I think we've been saying this for a while, but I, I think you're going to see the best NHL version of Dakota Joshua under Rick Tockett. Like, yeah. I think the the thing that you can have, I think, as a player that is probably the most crucial for a guy who's in Joshua's situation, to have success, the most crucial thing you can have and the most beneficial thing for your career is like a coach that believes in the way that you play and not necessarily believes, but also like challenges it a little bit. Like you see those flashes of Joshua where he can use the speed. He can use the size. He pisses guys off when he's on the ice against them and talk. It just needs to like continue to pull on that string. Cause when you get that part of Dakota, Joshua, he's going to be an effective bottom six player. And I think talk, it's the guy who's going to do that and get the best out of him over his career. Beautiful goal last night. Yeah. He also just strikes me as a sort of guy where he starts on a fourth line, but strikes me as the player considering the hands we've seen from him. Yeah. The soft, even playmaking touch at certain points, but mostly the ability to play down low jam pox being nuisance in front of the net. I look at him and I'm like, in injury, unfortunately, happens. He's the first guy on, on your third line. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. I, I, I just view him as that type of player. And honestly, watching him and Garland together, I'm like, man, if they could, if they had like a legit center between them, as opposed to Nils Amon, who, don't get me wrong, he's been he's been improved quite a bit since Abbotsford, sure. and I think he could be your fourth line center, no problem. Yep. But if they had like a third line center next to them, a legit one, that would be a pretty decent third line. Well, it's like watching some of these teams and how Vegas had such success after the expansion draft of like just rolling with a bunch of second and third lines. Like if you can get that, if you can upgrade what a typical fourth line is the NHL to kind of like a middle six type of playing line, they don't have to be an elite middle six line. But if you just have like, if you can get that line to get to that point where you're like, hey, I'm feeling good about our you know fourth line matchups tonight. And if you do that every night, you really start to see the benefit of that throughout a season. And I think that's the option you have there. Listen, Garland's making five. Dakota Joshua's not making more than a million. You throw a center in there that's making middle, like you're, you're putting some money into your fourth line, kind of only because of Garland at that point. But at least you're going to win that battle. Well, it's also, at this point, it's pretty much the third line in terms of deployment. Anyway. Sure, yeah. It's not really even, I know based off line rushes, it's technically their, technically their fourth line, but let's be real. It's it's the Kraftsov, Drys, Pod Colson line that gets the short end of the stick in terms of deployment all the time. And it's 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 not... As effective of a line as um, as uh, the Garland Joshua Oman one. Yeah, and I think Tockett likes that line more. And they're both getting an opportunity to play. And sometimes you'll see that that Dry's line have more minutes. Some nights you'll see uh, the Oman line have more minutes. And it's like, okay, which one wants to get going here and be the third line? I think that that little bit of a challenge is kind of nice. You brought up Vasily Pod Colson in his line. I thought this was the nicest goal of the night last night. It's not just because you know. You know, I like I like Pod Coles. I like when he scores yeah. goals. Okay, listen, I'm not supposed to say that as a journalist, but I like when Pod Coles and scores some goals. Let's have a look at this one uh, from Vasily Pod Coles. And his goal last night was excellent. Comes down on the wing, makes a great little stick handle around, and then the wrist shot. The shot was wonderful. Like this is the type of shot that I I kept wanting to see him try in Abbotsford, and it never really happened. Like it, it didn't get to that point where 
You've seen the evolution in Niels Huglander's game in Abbotsford where he has the confidence. Didn't see this in Pod Colson's game last night, but if we have the video, we can get it up here, Alex. Uh, just a, a beautiful shot from Vasily Pod Colson last night. Um, what did you think of the Pod Colson goal yesterday? It was it's it's something that we don't see that often, but we've heard like JT Miller talk about his shot and how good that shot really is. It was showed off last night. He ripped this past the glove uh, of James Reimer and into the back of the net. Yeah, well, the the most impressive part for me wasn't actually the shot because, sure, I like to see him finish that way, but it's from so far out yeah. from beyond the tops of the circles that usually, especially unscreened, you're not you're not going to rely on that as your source of consistently creating offense. I mean, Brock Besser, even from that point, doesn't even beat goalies from that type of distance anymore on a consistent basis anyway. Right. For me, the impressive part was, in terms of what can translate moving forward, was the way that he dangled past the defender. Oh, it was pretty. And not that he's going to make that type of dangle in every rush that he has, but for me, it's the confidence for him to actually make that move. Because there, there were so many flashes of him as a prospect where in his draft year, he did have the puck skills and the confidence to be able to just lug it up the ice and make a play, not be afraid to try something offensively, create space for himself. And I think that's going to be critical. Can I cut you off yeah. in junior play? Like when he was playing this, you didn't see this in the KHL. You saw this in junior play. You saw this when he was with you know U20 team, when he was down in the VHL, J20 league, the MHL, all that stuff. That's when you saw this from Pod Colson. It's, it's been tough for him to graduate that to a high level. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll translate in terms of him driving the net. Like, mm. that'll help him get to the inside a lot more consistently because to get to those really high-danger scoring situations, you either need somebody to set you up and you need to be a guy who is really smart around the slot, really adept at moving around around the paint, or you need to be somebody who can make plays with the puck, has strong stick handling in high traffic areas. And Pod Colson's had like those types of hands in the past. Mm-hmm. He's just I, I think he needs to continue nurturing that side of his game. And I remember last season when he was on a bit of a tear towards the end, that's when you'd see him show a lot more confidence in transition carrying the puck. Right. Which I think he's lost at points when he's been down on himself about his game. So I'm hoping that that goal can just give him the confidence to go, hey, I can lug the puck, I can make plays. Yeah, I agree too, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch it play out here. And I, I like the the Kraftsoff line last night was good. Just, you just seen, I, I, think, I thought Kraftsoff had one of his better games as well. I haven't been the the biggest supporter of like how good everyone thinks Kraftsoff's playing, so I don't think he's been great. I think he's been... I don't think he's... Sh- like, he's had flashes where I'm like, nice, that's cool, but not... I don't finish every game and say, nice, that's cool. I say that during the game in little points. I could end up being totally wrong here, but with Kravtsov, I don't, I, I don't think he's going to put it. I don't think he's going to take the next step hmm. is my point. I, I think that, um, like you said, there were flashes. What's the next step for, for Kravtsov? What's he at right now? Like, what is the step you're talking about then? The step for me is like, well, I mean, you look at him and it's like, he has one point in however many games. Yep. I mean, unless you got a second one. Did you get a second one last night? I'll, uh, on assist or something? But it's like the production isn't there. He's not a defensive guy. He hasn't been reliable there. He's lost the puck quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So doesn't kill penalties. If you're in the bottom six, got to add something. Yeah. So for him, it's figuring out 
okay, what are you? Yeah. Right. And and again, don't don't get me wrong. You see the potential. You see the flashes because yeah. he's almost there in terms of finishing a high end play on a lot of instances. And he's had it feels like at least one really good scoring chance per game, which is good. Which is good. But I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like he's not quick enough to make decisions. I do think we're going to see more production towards the end of the season because he's been, I think, unlucky in terms of his individual and on-ice shooting percentage. So we'll see some production. I just, they're so stacked on the wings, and we haven't even seen Hoaglander yet, yeah. that he's going to need to show a lot more. I'm not, I'm not convinced yet. Well, that's the thing. I, I look at the way he's playing, and I'm like, hey, when you go to put Aiden McDonough into the lineup, which we'll talk about in a little bit, might be this weekend, is he, is he the guy yeah, to come oh, yeah. out? Like, I think no it's doubt. pretty easy, right? Yeah, I, I think that's DG the way to played too good. Yeah, and you, you brought it up. Yeah, he didn't pick up a point last night. Uh, 11 games so far for Kravtsov as a Canuck, just the one assist uh, up to this point. So, um, I mentioned McDonough. They got Saturday in Chicago, uh, Sunday in – who are they playing on Sunday? I missed to hear the back-to-back. Uh, Sunday they're playing – sorry, Sunday in Chicago, Saturday in Dallas. That's what it is. Um, McDonough this weekend – what Maybe the, on the Sunday. What do you, what do you think? Like, Maybe on the Sunday. I think it's either. The, I think it's the Sunday. Yeah, that would be my Three guess. It's game. not based off reporting, no. but second half of back to back, give a guy a breather, and you've got some a little bit of time to practice now. Plus, it's a bad team. team. Yeah, Chicago. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. Soft landing spot. In there. Um, we'll we'll see what happens there. I think that's what we're going to see too. I think we'll see yeah. him on Sunday. All right, let's uh, let's move along. We got a new segment that we're going to try here on the Saturday. I got some music. I got some graphics. Let's, uh, I'm going to hit the music. Alex, you hit the graphic. This is uh, Who Impressed Harm? Oh, yeah. Great looking <laughs> graphic there. Uh, there he is. Harm, little fun uh, segment we might try on some Fridays here. Who's impressed you lately? I know you got one right off the top. Let's run that graphic too. J.T. Miller. He's impressed you lately, Harm. Oh, yeah. He's got something along the lines of, I think it was before last game, like 28 points in 23 games. He's been over mm. a point per game since Taka took over. He's been effective on the penalty kill. He's been really tenacious from a two-way perspective. He hasn't been giving the puck away. Been giving a really, really consistent effort every single shift. I haven't seen him dog it at all. Been playing a physical style, I think, back to the Ottawa game where he's yep. roughing up. Tim Stutzla, which I think is an important element for him to add as well because with Luke Shen gone, you have somebody like Brady Kachuk was trying to set the tempo by being a missile, Mm -hmm. just absolutely mashing guys. So for JT Miller to push back and take some runs at Stutzla in a clean way, I love that. Yeah. So Miller's all-around game, he's been picking off passes. The absolute rocket... Of a shot that he's he, been... He said it last night. He's feeling it a little bit. Like somebody, I forget who asked him, but it was like, you know, you're, all your shots are going exactly right. He said something about shooting into a bucket or shooting into like a little sled. He, he's he's putting it in the right spot right now. Like it is... the, the puck, vlog, Like how hard oh, he's cranking it yeah. too. I, I've said it earlier in the week. Like, you, you know, everything aside, like JT Miller's playing extremely good hockey for the Canucks right now. Seven of his last eight games. He's got multi-point nights in seven of his last eight games. That's a wild... Like, think about that stat for a second. Seven of your last eight games, we're looking at a minimum of two points in those games for JT Miller. That's a that's very impressive over an eight-game stretch, man. That's, you know, I think he's got 17 points uh, in, those, in those eight games. 
like rolling right now. Really good stuff. I, I can't I can't help but say it. But you got another name as well. So do I have to hit the music again? What do you think of the music? That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do it Let's again do it. then. Let's see it. Let's see the Connor Garland, baby. 100% verified. No, that's JT Miller, Alex. Connor Garland <laughs> is your next uh, your next guy that you've been impressed with. Or Look at that. Nice transition, oh, Alex. Yeah. I like it. Here he is. Connor Garland. Uh, a goal and assist last night. He's got six points over his last seven games. What else is he impressing you with, Arm? Aside from a goal and assist last night, like I said, six points in his last seven. What else? For me, it's... How he's been a driver for that line on um, w- with Joshua and Oman, right? He's not in a spot where he's playing with one of Pedersen or Miller, and yet he's doing his best to be the guy that's moving the needle for that line in so many different areas, whether it's the way that he's possessing the puck, helping make plays up the ice, his playmaking in and around the offensive zone. But also, when you look at under Rick Tockett, the number of forwards who are helping out a lot more defensively. Connor Garland is right up at the top of the list in terms of guys who are popping in terms of the impact that he's made on the back check in a subtle way. The way that he's hustling to hunt down pucks, try and win battles. It's been uh, really impressive and he's now back up to a point with this with this recent heater where he's, where he's got 40 points in 70 games, which Based off how slow he was to start the year, uh, didn't 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 think that uh, he could end up on this type of pace. And you look at his overall production: eighteen points in twenty five games since Talkin has taken over, playing fifteen minutes a night, mostly in the bottom six with guys who aren't really high end offensive finishers. Impressive stuff. No, it, it has been. It's another year to kind of look at Connor Garland and. It's like he's putting it like sixth in the team right now at five on five points. Higher, he's got more five on five points than JT Miller this season. I don't know. I think he, you just, it's hard to find the right fit that makes you kind of have your eyes drawn to him on a line. Like he's not a guy who is going to catch your attention in a trio. He's kind of, to me, he's like the second piece on a line, right? Yeah. I think he does that throughout the lineup. And if he's found a connection with the rest of that trio, then he's a very effective second guy in a line. If he doesn't find the connection, kind of slides, and it's it's a bad line. The line doesn't work, what's but also, when he finds it, he really finds it. It's also sometimes tough to find the chemistry because Garland plays such a unique style with the spins and, and turns where there's probably a learning curve for guys to understand how to position themselves in a way to play off of him. Because he's so, like, you don't know when he's going to take a random sharp angle shot. You don't know when he's going to suddenly swing in the other direction and and try and make a pass right into the slot. He's just an unpredictable player. So you can understand why sometimes it's been difficult for him to build chemistry in the top six, which then I go, all right, if that's the situation, then at least on one of your bottom six lines, you hope that he can help... help be the backbone for, let's say, a third line next season. Sure, yeah. Which helps catapult this team forward so that they, instead of only having two lines that are consistently consistently playing well, that hopefully he can give them, give you three of them. Right, and that's the thing that's going to be interesting with that winger debate that we've had earlier, like Kraftsoff, Pod Coles, and Huglander. I wonder what the other guy who makes the most sense with Connor Garland is on that third line. The other thing, too, is... When we have this debate of Besser and Garland, right? One or 
I mean, in an ideal world, even though I like Garland as a player, you yep. you probably prefer at this point to move off of the contract and sure. try and do something else with it, just because you have uh, a lot of um, a lot of talent talent on the wings. Yeah, but presuming you could only sort of trade one of those contracts, it's interesting because with with Garland Besser, right? I have a lot more confidence in Garland being able to, let's say, drive a third line with less talent hmm. on him as opposed to Brock Besser in that sort of a spot. Because with Besser, he doesn't have the dynamic ability to be the best player on the line and really, like, he just blends in with, with, with the, like, when Besser's played with Sheldon Drys, for example, he's just kind of, like, blended in on on that line and he, and he's only really been effective when he's been, you know, with JT Miller or Elias Pettersson. And so Garland's ability to actually drive play is I think it, it is an asset in that I think he's a more versatile piece. So I like when we talk about assets on the show. When we're talking about the asset of Connor Garland or Brock Besser, let's put it out there like Connor Garland is a 5 million dollar player. Brock Besser is a $6.6 million player. That that ability to add to a lineup, does Connor Garland have the same middle six ability as Brock Besser? Because I agree with you. I don't think Brock Besser can add to a third line, a typical third line, what you would like from your third line, like Connor Garland can. But can Connor Garland be a better asset as a middle six player and he's making $1.6 less million? Because like the asset management here and what the value is between these two players Yes, there's an extra year on Connor Garland's deal, but like I said, it's one point six million dollars less. One point seven technically. Like I wonder which player teams would want to target more. Because you you have, I think, better top six potential with Brock Besser, but I agree with you. If you're looking at a middle six role, I think there's an argument there for both the players. Besser's also been a lot worse defensively. Yeah. He's had a really tough year in his own end and in terms of the two way impacts. For teams I still think Besser's probably the more attractive target because he has more of an established pedigree. I think the size factor looms large. Mm, yep. Plus, Garland having an extra year of term, I think, is more prohibitive. And the reason I brought up this example of like comparing them, right, is because there's at least a chance, I think, that the only way you move one of those contracts is if you either retain a bit of salary or add in some sort of sweetener. I, I don't th- I don't think that there are positive value assets on the trade market hmm. just at their base level Contract. contracts yeah. as they sit. So for the Canucks, if you look if you're looking down at, at that potential in the offseason, you may only want to retain on retain a little bit on let's say one of those guys. Yeah. And I think that's what they might end up doing here with so at that point, they you may to have to decide who is more of an asset to your team. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing because Besser was a contract that was signed by this management group. Connor Garland wasn't. Yeah. So I wonder if that is also something to take into the equation here because, listen, this management group didn't sign this contract to Connor Garland. I think that's the way that you might want to look at things at the offseason here, depending, you know, like I, like you said, if teams come at you with the same offer for each player and you have to eat, say, a million on the contract, 
I don't know. But then I guess then money, it's a huge thing. We'll spend some off season time yeah, talking yeah. about this. Uh, we have a lot more to get to here. I know we're going overtime already. Um, but let's get to our poll question. Let's pull this up here real quick. We'll spend a quick little second here on the poll question. You can check it out. Um, over on Canucks Convo on Twitter is where you can find the poll question. And it is asking about the winning of late. The question on our, uh, on at Canucks Convo, you can find it on Twitter. How much, and then in brackets, if any, are you enjoying the winning from this team right now? Um, and our options for the poll question, we have just fun to watch wins, hate it, hashtag team tank, I'm liking the structure, or I'm angry. Let's see where producer Alex wants to go today. We're in overtime, so he's leaning towards I'm angry, but we will see what he says. Alex goes with hate it, hashtag team tank, which is taking the poll right now, 44% of people saying that they hate it. They're on hashtag team tank. We got 24.2% of people saying I'm liking the structure. 23% of people saying just fun to watch wins and 8.9% saying I'm angry. So the I'm angry crowd down a little bit from 12% where they like to hover. So some people are maybe enjoying this game, uh, enjoying the the Canucks winning games lately. So uh, that's where we're at with this team. We won't spend too much time on the poll question. A couple things I'm just going to mention, but love a comment from you on each of them. Uh, Christian Willannon's injury, we don't really know the timeline for that, but Talkett also talked about Guillaume Brisebois battling something and Noah Juleson being out week to week. That Juleson injury, he's one of the players that was sent down on the trade deadline to play for the HL playoffs. So that injury may end up actually, you know, because we look at this and it's a season-ending injury a lot of times for the NHL players. Like, okay, too bad. Season's over. They're not playing for anything. Juleson could have been playing for something in the NHL playoffs. We'll have to see what happens with him. He's kind of one of these week-to-week injuries at the end of the season that actually matters for the AHL team. Any comment on these three defensemen here? We don't know what's happening with Willannon. Breezeball was battling something is what Talkett said. And week-to-week for Juleson. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a secret team tank play. I'm just kidding. The AHL, the hey, AHL you know guys are playing too well. Here's the thing. They're sabotaging the tank. If those three are down, look, there's the tank. If those three are down, you have an option for Jack Rathbone to be emergency recall yeah. here, right? I and mean, this is a imagine? chance to see Rathbone. On top of that, I don't know. Can you call up Arshdeep Baines if you have an extra spot, even though it's a defenseman going so. down? I think it has to be position, I, right? Yeah. yeah. Too bad. We'll see what happens. But this could be a time to see Jack Rathbone in the NHL. And then your other options, Jet Wu. Jet Wu's down there. Are we going to see Jet Wu this year, Harm? Maybe. It's, seriously, it's possible now with these guys going down for injury here. It's it's possible. We'll see if he's in the lineup tonight. They got back-to-back games on the weekend. You could see an emergency recall here pretty quick. Um, but good news is, at least, uh, they're already on the road. They're not here in Abbotsford, so maybe a little bit of a closer trip. But I, they're in California, so maybe not. Maybe to Dallas, they could be out there. We'll see what happens. We might see, uh, man, I would be blown away if we ended up seeing Jet Wu at this point. Su- massive surprise. But it, it did. It was something I said off the top of the year. Like, I remember saying at the start of the year, the only way we'll see him if, if there's a bunch of injuries. And that's yeah. kind of what we're at at this point in the season. But Rathbone, no-brainer. Give him a shot yeah. in the NHL. Play him under Rick Tockett for a little bit. Um, do you want to bring up some NCAA stuff? Minnesota Mankato, they were eliminated. Jake Livingstone, Akito Hirose, Brennan Fury, uh, some guys to watch. Rick Dollywall reported this, uh, that he's not hearing anything between the Vancouver Canucks and Jake Livingstone. So that's a big right D that everybody wanted. Dollywall, obviously I'm going to trust a lot of his reporting and specifically on uh, on players signing with the Vancouver Canucks. This is Dollywall's update. Uh, he said, lots of teams after BC native Jake Livingstone, a right shot D from Minnesota State. But as of now, he's not hearing something will come together in Vancouver, uh, but says the Canucks are still in the mix. 
for Western Michigan Center and Dan Milstein client, Max Sasson, who some other guys to mention from Western Michigan. Uh, Sasson is, a, is one. He's playing on that top line with Ryan McAllister and Jason Poland. Jason Poland up for a Hobie Baker this year. He's one of the top 10 nominees. Uh, so that whole line, they've been eliminated. I'd watch for McAllister, 21-year-old kid. He's a player that you can get into your system as a prospect. Watch him. Local connection to Vancouver as well. Anything you, to mention on NCAA? Do the Canucks give Milstein a signing bonus? Ooh. A, commi- a commission? <laughs> you know, he's getting a, he's getting one of those fruit baskets for sure. You know he's getting a fruit basket every year. Oh, my God. Like, And then Milstein, you know how real estate agents sometimes they'll – They'll send every year like a box of chocolates or something, yep. or like some like Christmas card or something. Yeah, yeah. Like Milstein's probably got the, the bougiest box of chocolates for Patrick <laughs> Alvine and, and this Canucks management group coming up uh, every Christmas from now on. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I don't think Milstein has to buy a meal when he comes to Vancouver. I'll, I'll guess that uh, for sure. Um, aside from that. Abbotsford in action tonight, 7 o'clock. We actually are, now that I mentioned Wu and Rathbone, I'm going to keep an eye on the roster, right? I'm going to keep an eye on the roster. Abbotsford can clinch a playoff berth on Friday night with just a single point in Ontario. Ontario, California, by the way. Just a little bit south oh, of Weed, Ontario, which is another city. Weed, Ontario. Weed and Ontario right <laughs> near each other down there. in Cal- Hey, listen. California's living the West Coast lifestyle. You know, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, so they're in action. Abbotsford tonight. Chance to clinch a playoff spot with one point. Um, there's, a, there's legit a town called Weed Weed in California. Tell you what, little 10-year-old Chris has a photo beside the uh, beside the sign. Are you serious? Yeah, we'll dig it. I'll see if I can dig it up. Oh, but, you got to uh, pull it up for uh, next week. Oh, little 10-year-old me probably wearing the same shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, all right. So they're in action 7 o'clock, not in Weed, in Ontario, uh, 7 p.m. tonight. Not in Ontario, 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 California. Um, you know, and I've heard about Ontario, California. Zephyr Epic shipping all the way from they, wherever to Weed. Yeah, from Weed to something else. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you know, it's, uh, they were in Bakersfield the other day. I hear Bakersfield is the, the Davy Jones locker of, uh, of California. Uh. Of, but now they're in... Uh, they're in Ontario. It's nicer there. It's nicer up in weed. Uh, but the Abbotsford Canucks, like I said, they can clinch playoff spot. They got the game tonight, 7 o'clock, Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, and then back-to-backs this weekend for the Vancouver Canucks as well. Hey, big weekend. I like these weekends. So we have the season's kind of closing out here. We're getting a lot of back-to-backs. I hate the, the back-to-backs on the weekend. Oh, you know what? I was thinking about this yesterday at the game. When I sat down, I'm like, gosh, I've had a busy day today. I've watched five. This is my fifth hockey game that I've watched today. Like yesterday was a, a crazy day uh, with NCAA and SHL playoffs. I got to go back and watch all Svenskin. I know I haven't mentioned it in the chat. LeCare Mackey, his second game back, scores another goal. He's on the top line down there in the Alsvenskan playoffs, scored again today. Um, as long as they won, they're going to move on already to the second round of the Alsvenskan playoffs. Jurgarden's absolutely rolling. Uh, right now so good for them but like i said back to back this weekend saturday four o'clock in dallas sunday 3 p.m in chicago harm that's everything i got on the outline anything else you want to wrap up with here before we get out nope all right great show word of the day 16 letters as i said on the show yesterday davy jones locker spongebob that's what we were talking about before the show this is how we knew of davy jones locker it was the actual crossover in both of our childhoods Knowing Davy Jones Locker from SpongeBob SquarePants. Was that your one of your favorites as a kid? Oh, yeah. My yeah, uh, singular one. favorite. Every Friday, I retweet the really? Mr. Krabs. Uh, congrats, Sailor. You made it to Friday. <laughs> I, liked, I, I liked Recess. Recess was my number one. That was like when I recess. came home. Really? Did you like miss Recess? Like when you were I, I a kid? I never. I don't know. Was, was I it on TV it. when you were a kid? I don't know. 
It was the best. I think it was the best. That and for, for, for me, it was SpongeBob and the Fairly Odd Parents. That was a very good one, too. That was great. Fairly Odd Parents was awesome. That's so Raven was always good. That was one that we watched. Watch it, but iCarly, I'm with quads on See, that. No, I'm not the iCarly. That was past my time. I was past that. But it was uh, it was a steady run. Starting at about 3, you get home. 3.15 was like weekenders, recess. That's so Raven, Lizzie McGuire. Boom. And, you're, and then 5 o'clock, so you're at dinner time. You get your glass of milk, sit down. Oh, take me back. All right, we're done. Tank it up, Alex. Let's roll. Roll into the weekend. Appreciate everybody in the chat. As always, another fun Friday here. Uh, on the Canucks conversation. The chat is just nuts on Saturday or on Fridays here. I absolutely love it. Uh, Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, Everybody listening on podcast, have a great weekend as well. Uh, We'll be back here on Monday, five days a week again next week, and uh, we'll see you next Friday. What do you got? Oh, Alex. Pull it up, Alex. Betway. That's my bad. Uh, All right, Betway, Betway, Betway. Uh, Our bets tonight, not a lot of hockey games tonight, but we're rocking with the Buffalo Sabres and New Jersey Devils. I got Tage Thompson or Jeff Skinner to score a goal tonight's game, minus 200, so a $10 bet's going to return you 15 if you get a goal from Thompson or Jeff Skinner. I tell you what, I've been saying it for a little bit, Thompson's my favorite player to watch play hockey right now. Love it. He's just a monster. The hands on the guy, unreal. Uh, So I'm rocking with him in our big one as well. The Sabres to win tonight, over 6.5 total goals in the game and Tage Thompson to score a goal. Harm, have a great weekend. Everybody in the chat, have a great weekend. Everybody on podcast, have a great weekend. It's an arty party Friday here on the show, and uh, we'll see you guys on Monday for another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Woo! Have a good weekend. There it is. Beautiful weather. Enjoy the weekend, everyone. Take some time for yourself this weekend. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.